We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity, it's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbag. The Rock Pile Report. Oh, my blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors Banquet beers out of spite. The Pettiest, Hardest Drinking Bills Podcast. I'll go to hell and back just to prove a point. To another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. We have Paul Wineski of Hashtag Sports riding shotgun with us tonight in studio. I love it. Paul, first time in the studio. What do you think? Uh, your sign is immaculate. I, I love that sign. Uh, I uh, love the sign. Buffalo Brew Fab. Guys, anybody who's looking to get anything like this done, Buffalo Brew Fab. They had it turned around in about two and a half weeks. It's killer. The The cost was on par and kind of less than what I thought I was mm-hmm. going to pay if I had ordered it offline. Yeah. And I'm supporting a local business. Why yeah. wouldn't you do that? Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's such a killer sign. I love the setup. I, I like the fact that Chris is really far away, too. Oh, yeah. Well, he used to not be facing me. This is just like a new thing. Oh, is it? Yeah. He used to face the TV. And he loved when I'd get emotional about something to just drift behind that TV because Chris is uncomfortable with human emotion. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with human emotion. No, you're not. When it's Jessica, I'm fine with it. When it's you, a grown man, crying about Marcel Darius, I'm not okay with that. I don't want to hear anything about it. <laughs> you can't spell potpourri without P-O-T. <laughs> God. So... Here's an interesting thing that happened, and listeners of this show will f- will probably get a laugh at this, but I want I want Paul's reaction. So a week or so ago, I was on this podcast getting made fun of for not trusting crypto. I talked about how I'd heard too many horror stories about how guys would go plug in like a oh I got to plug in this digital photo frame and it would just download malware to your computer that hijacked your crypto wallet and you got robbed mm-hmm. and it went straight to China. Like that's, I've heard too many horror, like guess, guess whose money can't get stolen that easily? Mine, because it's in a bank. (laughs) 
because it's in a and it's not even in a bank. It's digital, and it just and someday they'll shut that off, and I'll have to. We'll all go. It'll be the movie The Road, and we'll all just have to kill each other to survive, which I am well prepared to do. Dial it back, but in any event, Chris was just emphatic that I'm being dumb. And that crypto is the way to go. Crypto, it's I'm old man yelling at clouds and his love of crypto and his usage of crypto has bought cameras for the studio. It's done so many wonderful things. Mm -hmm. I get a text. In fact, I'll just read it to you. Uh, Chris. It was one of the worst 15 minutes of, of my life. What was happening with cryptocurrency i think it was yesterday yesterday at 12 48 p.m i got a text that just says i got hacked on my crypto i'm out oh my god now let's just stop right hang on let's right there <clears throat> now imagine if he's texting me at quarter to one how long has he been like he's been scrambling mm -hmm. chris when did you find out you got hacked like what approximately like, what time of day it was uh like right about then like I, and your first thought yeah, was the text. No, I, I text, I text Jessica, and then I text you because there's a humor element where there where exactly. I have to text Drew about what's happening, the misfortunate it, yeah. things that have happened to I'm, you. I opened crypto up at like twelve fifteen, and doing re doing really well, mm -hmm. doing really well. Even for like when I say doing really well for the day, mm -hmm. and we're already at, at noon. And then I went and took a shower, and then I finished that, opened up my phone, and it was like, your balance is zero. And I'm like, now, I have had a couple of phone calls in the last, like, two weeks, like, from people saying that they're with Coinbase, and you just hang up on them. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay... I I see my balance is zero. I'm like, I'm like full blown thinking. I'm like, I got, I don't know how I got hacked because I have a authenticator mm -hmm. with my, my Coinbase account. Yeah. So I, you can't send money out of my Coinbase account without, especially to another crypto wallet without putting in the authenticator numbers, mm -hmm. which I, for the life of me, can't figure out my password for that so, so you, you can't, can't do anything like, you can't do anything with your money. i'm like you can't do anything i'm like there's no way i'm like there's no way somebody was that good at hacking that they can get through an authenticator they got, my password. Hey, it, they got my password before i could remember what it was no it turns gonna be my first it job. turns out that Bitcoin was about to eclipse its previous all-time high, and Coinbase just crashed. Shut it down. Yeah, Coinbase just crashed. Yeah, for the for like uh, two hours. So I'm like, oh god, so, saved. So he texted me that at 12:48, and then followed it up with a text saying the phone number at Coinbase doesn't even work. <laughs> so he tried to call them. Yeah. Were you were you seriously <laughs> concerned about the legitimacy of cryptocurrency? Like you tried to call Coinbase to question the legitimacy of your cryptocurrency. I just wanted to make sure because I was already knew that I would be, had been yeah somebody had been trying to scam me. So, okay, so what I so, love is that Chris called to be like, "Hey, decentralized currency holder, 
is there a customer service line or a complaint desk? Have and you, it's like, no, that's yeah. the beauty of actual yeah. currency. Yeah. Have you tried turning it off and turning it back <laughs> on again? <laughs> No, it's, I, I, I joke. I have dabbled in cryptocurrency. It is too fast-paced for me to be able to pay attention to and and do anything with. You know, you got I, in and got out. I, I got in. I made some money on it, and I said, "This is just simply too much. This is way too much attention. I'm paying way too much attention because the market moves too fast." It's a Ponzi scheme. Here's what happens: yeah. a bunch of people buy low. Well, I got real buy money. And buy, well, I don't know about you. I you, put in real money. I got out more real money. You buy and buy Must and buy and, buy and buy a coin, and then the value goes up because more people are buying it. And then a bunch of dickheads at the top go, "All right, now!" and they pull a bunch of cash out, mm-hmm. and it causes a run, and then it devalues, and now. Everybody else has to buy in so that the next wave of dickheads at the top can go, all right now, and they can grab a bag of cash and run Hold away. On. Time out. How is Paul, this any Paul, different when? than being a fan of any NFL team? <laughs> it is no different than that, being a fan of it's being a Browns fan, you're a Steelers fan. There's no difference. Paul, what the did you, Paul, what did you get dabble off? in? What did I dabble in? I got into, in, into Ethereum real early. That's what I'm... In. Yeah, I was in Ethereum real early, so much so that I forgot about it, and then I came back and it was doing very well. <laughs> and that's when I was like, "Oh, I happen to have money here." What year was this? Ooh, this was this was several years ago. So this is like 16, 17. This so, is probably probably two thousand and eighteen. I put money into it and then changed phones, forgot to re-download the app, and just forgot about it. And then in like two thousand and probably twenty twenty one. I was like, oh, let me, I think I did this once and I downloaded the app and I had a wallet and had several hundred dollars in it for my $40 investment. I was like, oh. Oh, well, I'll take oh. that and run because this oh. seems like I stole something. Right. Well, and then I start, <laughs> then you start pocketing out that profit to other cryptocurrencies and then it gets messy because you didn't even bring up the fact that people will launch coins that have actual no real basis. And, and this then is my point. Steal your money. Unregulated yeah. currency, baby. It's yeah. you get what you pay for. Now, what I love is that Chris. I've more than texted, doubled my money. So. Chris texted me back to yeah. say that he got it. The funny thing and what what is kind of telling about me as a human being is that I already had three jokes written. (laughs) I already had, before I even knew he got his money back, I had jokes and then he got his money back. And I was like, Oh, you have no idea how funny this could have been. And then he goes, what do you, I told him, I go, it's, it's the age old formula. Chris told, Chris told me about it. I believe it's correct. Tragedy plus time equals comedy. You just That's, have to be patient here. Cryptocurrency is a time bomb. Yeah, I, you can't say it's not. The jokes you know that I mean? I'm going to make at That's other you people's just, just wait. Just wait. Now, as we sit down here tonight, guys, we've bored you enough with crypto talk and talk of how Chris. I just wish I had a live camera of Chris. Chris oh, when he face, saw it, when he saw it, and how like he probably did that. Do you know thing. how weird it is to get out of the shower and start sweating? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> and then he gets out of the shower, and then he's probably in a towel pacing nervously. Yeah. <laughs> pacing while he's waiting for the for the Coinbase people to answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't coming, Chris. The coin It is funny. The coin the Coinbase Twitter <laughs> during that time. Very hilarious. I'm sure. All of this is hilarious. 
Now, as we're here tonight to talk about some defensive free agency, just mm. some ideas, some thoughts we're going to spitball. Who are all going to take their contracts in crypto? <laughs> <laughs> Russell Oak. Hey, you have to be agentless because no agent wants their part of this. They go, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <clears throat> I'm not getting paid in crypto because yeah, that's stupid. No. I want real dollars that I can go spend on my boat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take 10% of this, uh, 10% of air. Yeah, no thanks. You have to be an agentless player for yeah. that to happen. Yep, sure do. Chris has made me a cocktail. It looks like a traditional old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a mystery. It's, uh, it smells like it. This is the mystery yeah, cocktail. Drew never knows what's in the cocktail. He has to guess. This seems normal. It seems like a normal old-fashioned. I'm just going to take a sip. Uh-oh. There is a there's a bite to that that I was not expecting. What is in that? This was selected by Jessica. And when I say it was selected by Jessica, it's I didn't have any citrus, so I couldn't really dive deep. It is one of her favorite new cocktails. I want to lick the carpet it is, to get this out of my mouth. What it, is that? It's called a fancy free. You're on point. This is the first time, Paul, this is the first time ever he's been right on the nose with what it is. Mm-hmm. It is an old-fashioned. You're just replacing the simple syrup for maraschino liqueur. So Taste that. All right. It's one of, I'm having it as well. Same thing. There's a, like it's I, actually pretty good. You think it's good? <laughs> it's pretty good. When I sip that thing, there's it's yeah, like Drew. This is the reason I don't drink much, man. Because eh, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> okay, so when I sip that drink, yeah, I'm transported back into a time capsule where I used to read the Sunday paper, mm-hmm. and in the funnies, right? The Sunday funnies. Yeah, there was a comic strip called Kathy, mm-hmm. and yeah, Kathy used that. to go Eck! And that's all I could see. It's just a thought balloon above my head that just says, Eck! Because that's what this tastes like. There's a bitterness. What is that? This maraschino liqueur all can't this be that bitter. Cherry, uh, cherry liqueur. It's Wild Turkey 101. Maraschino liqueur. There's no body to orange, it. There's no warmth to it. It's just... Orange bitters, Angostura bitters, and five drippies. Of saline solution. Here's what I here's what I hate about this cocktail. When you drink a bourbon drink, typically you, you feel, feel warm, the yeah, warm, yeah, and everything warm. else. Yeah. This drink lives right on my tongue. It's the wild turkey. You you sip it it's and it just turkey. sits right here in your mouth, and you don't feel it. You don't acknowledge anything else other than just this thing. Mm-hmm. See, I mouth. made it for Jessica maybe like a week ago, mm-hmm. and she loved it. So, you've seen how much bourbon is out there. Yeah, yeah. I haven't steered away from the Wild Turkey 101 making it. Yeah. Although she did yesterday say that she, I, she doesn't think she could handle the 101. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she might she might need yeah. an... Uh, well, if you do a she higher... She weighs as much as Paul. If you do a higher proof <laughs> cocktail, mm-hmm. it'll hold up to the other things that are in it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I feel doing a higher proof bourbon... It'll hold up to the maraschino, where if I did a 90 proof, the maraschino might overpower it. Yeah, and it'll overpower it. See, for me, to my palate, what you did 
was you removed all because I've drank. I drink wild one on one. Now, a certain Air Force colonel we know has said that he um, he prefers it to old tub. False. But what I will say is it's like whatever you put into this glass took all of the good things about the 101 away. Basically, he's telling you that the 101 tastes like gasoline. That's basically what he's telling you. <laughs> you, you literally just boiled this down. It's almost like you cooked it down to what it is, just straight ethanol. All right, we'll chug it. <laughs> we'll chug it and do a podcast. Listen. Welcome to the Rock Pile Report, everybody. It'll be an easy 30 minutes for me. That's yes. right. That's right. There's a bucket over there. You'll be fine. Oh, please, a bucket. <laughs> what is this, amateur hour? No, no. You just stumble and crash like a real man. No. That whole real man thing, this alpha male thing that's mm-hmm. going on. This, Yeah. I, I could go off on a tangent. This is a whole other aside. We could talk about this later. But alpha male culture is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard of. Like, it is, like the self-proclaimed alpha male culture. Be a man. Drink this. Drink this ethanol because you got to be a man. It's like, nah, I'm not going to. I'm a dude. I'm not a man. Yeah. I <laughs> I have the power to say no. Yeah. I'm right? sorry. I, yeah. No, I, have the, I have a reasonable power to say no. You know what I can't say no to? Your sliders at that tailgate were delicious. Bang! Delicious. I just want to let you know that. There we go, guys. Like, I, I had a great time. I, I never go to football games. I just, I don't go because there's, it, Which there's game a lot was to it. The playoff game. I went to the Chiefs game. So, uh, tailgate, super fun, right? Mm-hmm. Really respect what you do. You got a whole culture there. It was it was super fun. I, I had a it's not had a hashtag culture. <laughs> yeah, it's not hashtag it's not culture. It's not uptight like that. I'm happy you had fun, man. Yeah, I was happy to see you guys. I'm happy you Ryan Mario came. It's really sad Mario couldn't be here tonight. Oh wait, we didn't invite him. Sure didn't. <gasps> it's it's realistically because Chris, if you look at the layout of the studio, I mean Mario wouldn't fit in here. I mean he has before. Then how'd that go? Not good. <laughs> <laughs> Mario, we love you. You're just too big. And we are also, we are we are set up for four microphones. He also, over there. He also looks like John Wick's brother. If his brother was like, Head oh, AIDS. I'm just I'm just here into a. <laughs> if his brother was like, yeah, I'm the one who went into accounting. Ooh. Yeah, I I learned the numbers instead of how to shoot people. <laughs> Yeah, it gets hot. It gets a little spicy over here. Defensive free agency concepts. Just philosophies, player of interest. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about a lot of things here. I, I first want to have, like I said, Chris, we talked about it in the previous podcast. Everybody has done these shows. I don't like to glom on to what everybody else is doing. I just, it has to be natural and it has to be reasonable and it has hey. to be how you hey, actually hey, hey. feel. It's combine week. It's combine. Paul? I got to get Paul. Should we do a seven round mock? Oh, my God. No, <laughs> no. If I, you guys start talking about mock drafts, this whole podcast is going to turn into the movie falling down because like Michael Douglas, I'm going to stand up and yell, I'm going home and I'm going to get a rocket launcher and blow a hole through your ceiling. I, I encourage people to do mock drafts. I do. They're fun, right? You can go in and trade picks and like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait. Hang on. You it's, could, you could fun. Call, or if you wanted to dress them up, 
and make it seem like it's a real thing, you could call it a thought exercise. <laughs> <laughs> Your quotation marks when you do that. But, you know, it's I, I encourage people, go have fun. Go get involved, right? It's it's a it's a fun time. Just stop posting them on social media. Oh, because I don't care. Yeah, no. It's 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 the, it's without context, right? Because you're like, look at all the players I got. Well, I don't know who was on the board at the time you, you made posting, those selections. You like, posting a mock draft on social media is akin to somebody posting videos of fireworks on Facebook. Nobody gives a shit, and nobody's watching that. Mm-hmm. We're skimming right past. Yeah, I'm gonna judge your mock draft. Like I'm gonna judge it. Wait, Incredible. what player did we pick? Apropos of nothing, with no context. Exactly, that's it. what I mean. You know, like it's ugh. anyway. Anyway, the Bills are going to have a lot of work to do on the defensive side of the football. And I know we just got done recording a show where we talked a lot about all the dead cap we hope they eat. Realistically, if they decide to spend a little bit, they're going to have to spend a little coin. Mm-hmm. Yep. The draft yeah. class is only going to cost about $3,500 if they pick every pick. Mm-hmm. So if they make the moves that are reasonable, Mm -hmm. if they extend the players that they want to extend or restructure the contracts of guys who realistically are not leaving, regardless of what the media or (laughs) what the fan base may want, they're going to have the money to make some moves. There's going to be some wiggle room. And so in that way, it's always worth talking about free agency. With that said, I think it's also worth looking at the existing roster because we've got some things going on here that we haven't had for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I want to start with linebacker. We've had conversations for a very long time about how the Bills can fix linebacker. Going back to when Preston Brown, I remember fighting with you about Preston Brown. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Preston Brown. And now we live in a world where the Bills have a solid and cap-friendly linebacker group. Mm -hmm. They do. I mean, this time last year, the linebacker group, it was a panic spot for everybody in our fan base. Myself included. Mm -hmm. I was kind of being an asshole. But I, Chris, we scoffed. Remember when Brandon Bean said that Balen Spector and Terrell Dodson were in play? For starting linebacker job. Yeah. And yet, you look at this. Our first round pick was going to leave. Mm-hmm. It was anarchy. Everyone's like, well, who's going to be the middle linebacker? Mm-hmm. Chris, did did or did not Brandon Bean make us look pretty stupid by trusting the roster? Yeah, I can't believe... I can't believe the play of our linebacker position, especially... After we lost Milano for the year, it was mm-hmm. beans. Bean can do some work. Milano is an all pro who just catches just really untimely injuries. Mm-hmm. Like he he's never available for Chiefs games. He's <laughs> never available for Chiefs games. Terrell Bernard. Mm-hmm. What what a like from zero to hero. The the thought of the two of them playing next to each other all year is mouth-watering and then you've got a Balin Specter who flashed a little bit when he had to come in mm-hmm. great special teams contributor mm-hmm. Dorian Williams showed a little bit here and there when he was allowed to see the field mm-hmm. that like hey I, I understand run fits I understand where to be how to attack a lane how to come mm-hmm. downhill right I'm fast 
he was drafted to beat that line of scrimmage offense that the Chiefs run. Yes. Right, like that was why he was drafted. People say he was uh, he was a reach. That skill set doesn't exist in a lot of linebackers later. Um, so they took him because they said, "Listen, this is going to beat Miami. This is going to beat the Chiefs. We're going to see them five to six times this year." Yeah, right. Like we're going to see the Chiefs. We're going to see Miami twice. We could see both of them in the playoffs. Right. This type of linebacker will fix a lot of problems for us because he'll laterally move and be able to keep up from a speed perspective with teams that move laterally. And then you look at the you look at uh, San Francisco. San Francisco does a lot of the same things, right? The teams at the top of the pecking order at the time that you drafted him, the move made a lot of sense. I, I know they caught a lot of smoke for it, but from a profile perspective, it made a lot of sense. Well, I, th- I don't think they caught as much smoke as they deserve, not for drafting him, but them for not giving him a chance. Right. Especially <clears throat> with the injuries, right? When you tons have of opportunity. Injuries, and then you have to have a guy who carries with a tight end, and you go, hey, you know who I trust more than Dorian Williams is AJ Klein. Yeah. But realistically, for the first time in years, the Bills have zero concerns at linebacker. Mm-hmm. And maybe they bring in a camp body or two, but realistically, our roster, barring injury, is right here on paper already. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful place to live. How could you not love what we have at linebacker? We're set. I don't need to see anything else. Don't you dare draft one. And I love where your face is because you're already watching the combine thinking about, oh, man, we can add one more. I think your linebacker play was so effective because your defensive tackle position did the dirty job all year. Sure. And you've got two of them on the roster right now. (laughs) Like, so I... That's But to me, that's a McDermott thing, right? McDermott's defense loves those free linebackers. You create that space yep. by having really strong, vacuum-style de- defensive tackles that suck resources up. They stop those offensive linemen from getting to the second level. I'm not going to trust Matt Milano on a pulling guard, right? No. Like that's, but you can't trust Terrell no, Bernard on that either, right? They're all undersized. Exactly. But they make plays in spades. Right, right. But you have to protect them with defensive tackles. So then that almost kind of tips your hand in the draft of like, where should we sink our resources? I don't know. Maybe instead of chasing a dozen defensive tackles, maybe it's worth drafting a few. Just a few. I don't know, man. (laughs) If you look at the Bills draft history for defensive tackles, it's, there's not a lot of history there. No. You know how I know that? Because just in order to make a point during our last podcast about a thousand yard wide receiver, I downloaded the entire Bills defensive draft history Mm -hmm. and I exported it into Excel. And you just sorted and you saw Harris and Phillips and and, uh, Ed Oliver and that was like the list. Uh, Adolphus (laughs) Washington, Marcel Darius, Michael Jasper. Adolphus Washington almost doesn't even count as a defensive tackle. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. He defended that water park <laughs> when he pulled the gun out in the parking <laughs> he sure lot. Did. He sure did. <laughs> <laughs> when he had a gun in a water park parking lot. Hey, he did the job, right? Nobody got hurt that day. Takes water safety very seriously. <laughs> he takes the safety very seriously. Marcel Darius. When you look at the picks before that, Chris, I'm going to read you some names. I want to know if you remember them. I already know that you don't know. You thought Eric Flowers was a tackle. No. Here we go. Terrell Troop? 
Yeah, I definitely remember Terrell Troop because Terrell Troop was the uh, the guy drafted prior to uh, Rob Gronkowski. Yes. Yep. John McCargo. Rob, John McCargo got traded to the Colts and failed his physical. <laughs> and then he's still a bill because he failed his physical. Kyle Williams. Yeah. Fifth round. Yep. So I'm going to highlight that one. Tim Anderson. Lavule Sape. <laughs> Who cares? Justin Bannon. I remember Justin Bannon. Ron Edwards. Tyrone Robertson. Leif Larson. John Perella. Yeah, we're, we're, John, we've hit the obscure zone. We're in 1993. <laughs> like, this is, like, we went from Kyle Williams to John Perella from 2006 to 93 in five picks. Yeah. We don't draft them and we don't do well when we do. As an organization, true, right? <laughs> and specifically, you've only drafted uh, Ed Oliver and uh, who was is, who is the other one that I had mentioned? Uh, you've only really drafted Ed Oliver and Harrison Phillips, right? Because Phillips was drafted the same year you drafted Allen and Tremaine. Here's what's awesome. If you think about this, the 90s dynasty, mm-hmm. the defensive tackles we had on those teams – here are the guys we drafted. Pat Raybold, Pete Kirkendall, <laughs> Teat Feller, Gernest Brown. Gernest. No. Not Ernest, but Gernest Brown in 1983. Tony Suber in 1982. None of these guys made an impact when we were making a run. So what the fuck were we doing at defensive tackle? I'm pretty confident that. Have we always just been free agent defensive tackle? Apparently. Team? Holy shit. Apparently. What is happening? Either way, the history is not great, but realistically, they're going to need help. But this linebacker core is set Mm -hmm. if you can get them protection in front of them. 100% agree. Yep. A defensive back. And this is where I think our first point of real contention or at least fun conversation might come into cornerback is a position where the Bills might have too many options for the first time in a long time. Now, you spent time telling us about how Dane Jackson really doesn't have a place in the market. Mm -hmm. Right. And he'll be back if the Bills want him to be back. Mm -hmm. You factor in he's there with a group of Benford, who is really coming into his own as a late-round pick, but earned a starting job over a first-round pick and Mm -hmm. hasn't looked back. He would be a CB2 on a lot of teams in the NFL. Yeah. Elam has all this athletic upside and just maybe it's between the ears. Maybe it's just he doesn't have the right coach. I don't know. Maybe a new voice in that room this year makes a difference. I mean, but you, maybe it's the Russell Douglas thing because everyone looks at Douglas and goes, oh, he was great this year. He's been on five teams. Yeah, he's been he's been he's bad been for a lot of organizations. Teams. He's been bad for. And I mean, not not that he was like misunderstood. No, he was, he was bad. bad. He was bad. And then he figured it out. Yeah. So the idea that you can't learn how to play the same the same way Namdi Asamoah went from being amazing to being one of the crap. best corners that people people were talking about being a top twenty corner in the history of the game. And then he leaves, oh, he was in Oakland, right? Yeah. Leaves Oakland, and oh my God, his career was over, I think, two years after that. Like, he was unrosterable. Yeah. It's such a nuanced and mental position that the fact that this guy made it through all of that, if you can instill, if Russell Douglas might be the best coach for Kyrie Elam that Mm -hmm. the Bills have. Right. 
he just needs to spend more time with Douglas. Maybe. <laughs> like those two guys need to just talk more about, hey, dude, this is how you get by. I think the, the quarterback conversation is so fascinating to me when it comes to Buffalo because, um, you know, that was you were able to trust your cornerback position coaches to just turn everybody into starters, right? Yep. You look at Levi Wallace undrafted, right? Yep. Um, you, you, can, you can name a bunch of guys who were undrafted players or guys that you picked really late that ended up working out for you, Dane Jackson obviously being one of them. But um, you, then you have times where you look at like Jaquan Johnson. You held on to Jaquan Johnson since 2019 yeah. and you needed him to step up and he it was did. a bad investment. But you always were betting that, don't worry, we'll just find another corner. It's not hard. We've we've seen Philip Gaines. Do you remember Philip Gaines? <sighs> yeah. Wait, the elusive Philip Gaines because he literally ran away from opposing wide receivers. Right. <laughs> but but the fact of the matter was they didn't they don't care who plays corner <clears throat> two for them. They don't care. No. It doesn't it doesn't matter to them. They, they, have they a find a way to CB figure it one, out. It all makes sense. Right. And you saw what it looked like when they didn't have that, right? Yes. And so I guess I look at this and I go, you have Elam, you have Benford. You kind of know what you have with everybody else. I mean, Teron Johnson, best slot corner in the NFL. Arguably, I guess. Who else would you put up with him? Slot corner is a weird position for me, right? Because the the NFL is slowly figuring out that slot receivers don't have to be five foot eight. Nope. Right. Like sometimes the bigger big the guy, sometimes the bigger the guy, the better, and that's what makes Teron Johnson sometimes a bad matchup, right? Because sure. you go against a team that's playing a wide receiver in the slot that's six two, you know, like. It's very possible Gabe Davis turns into a slot receiver with his next team. Like well, it's very possible. Paul, tell us about Teron Johnson's combine. Oh, Teron Johnson called him Jughead on the <laughs> at hashtag Sports. You know why we called him Jughead? Why? Because at the combine, he went to run a drill where you run across the fifty yard line and you catch a pass on each side as a defensive back, right? And you do this. I think I think they catch four passes on each side, so eight, eight or ten passes total. He, he went started to run. on the wrong side. He went to run, looked this way, ball fucking doinked him right in the face. Right in the face. No. So we called him Jughead because he looked the wrong way. <laughs> Going right in the dome. <laughs> See, but the combine that's, sucks. But that's, but that's Brandon Bean going, yes. Yeah, Brandon We're going to get our like, guy. Brandon Bean goes, oh, my God, thank you. <laughs> yes, because everyone's going to see this and go, what an idiot. We're well, not drafting that you loser. Know what? There's, a, there's an interesting point there. So there is on the Embedded series. If you go back and really watch the Gabe Embedded Davis. series. Gabe Davis. He, he flat out is rooting against his he, 40. Yeah, he's hoping Gabe Davis just falls over himself in yeah. the 40. Because he's like, listen, I got to get this. We want this guy I to slide. I want this guy. I yeah, need I him. Him, the slide I, and I hope he doesn't run that fast. Right, exactly. So we have this guy, Teron Johnson. We have Douglas. Great value add. Mm-hmm. We have him for money that I'd like to reduce if we can extend him. Because I think he has a place here in Buffalo. I agree. <clears throat> I agree. And then you look at Trey White. And now you look at it and go, well, what are we going to do with that guy? He's a mm-hmm. wild card. If you throw him into the mix, you're brimming with talent. Mm -hmm. Now, just for the sake of a free agency conversation, I'm not going to debate whether he should be cut, released, the cap implications. All I know is (sighs) I have a lot of other conversations about defensive backs that have been kicking around inside my head that need to get out. And Jordan Poyer is probably the biggest. 
can we have the conversation about Jordan Poyer where everyone goes, listen, Chris, age is a hell of a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Just ask my back. Yeah. Well, no. And that that's exactly it. So I have to go to a chiropractor. But also, I've been, for, for all the time I've been going on with this stuff with my hand and then just different stuff health-wise, I haven't worked out consistently in almost six months. I've been doing it like a day here, a day there. I get into the gym. I haven't been inside a gym before today in at least a month and a half, maybe two. What machine do they have there that works on your teeth? (laughs) It's all bad, folks. It's all detritus. Here's the crazy thing. I get in there, and I'm working out, and I'm going, God, this feels good. I'm in it. I'm I'm doing well. I'm 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 doing the I can't bench press anymore because my shoulders are so bad. <laughs> I can't bench press with a bar. I have to do the plate loaded machines. And so I'm doing the decline and I'm doing the incline. And then like I get to flies and I go, okay, cool. I can do the straightforward just like the uh fly machine. But then if I try to do a cable fly, there's all of a sudden, I get this like tinge in my left shoulder, and I go, "All right, well, that's not great." Where in the shoulder? It's literally the back side. And here's the worst part: so I know I have a bad labrum in this shoulder, mm-hmm. but I have rotator cuff damage <clears> in this one that I can you can feel it grind oh, when, wow. I, when I turn that's it. Nice. Yeah, that's nice. So I'm I'm working out and halfway through my workout it's like i start doing things and i just feel this like pain like when you get an injection and it's like there's a sting but a burn mm-hmm. it's every time i'm trying to press and it's like okay well i aggravated that so i guess i gotta get out of here i guess i have to stop this for the day i'll go do the stair machine for 35 minutes and get the fuck <laughs> out of here because i expected to be able to work out for an hour and it turns out i lifted for about 20 minutes now it's rapid fire and it's max weight and it's doing all these things, but it's not what I used to be able to do. And I'm upset about it and I'm driving home and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder how Jordan Porter feels today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looks like RoboCop out there. Yeah, this is it. Like in 2017, the team signs a safety who literally got his spleen exploded because he got tackled so violently. And then he goes on to be a pro bowler, mm-hmm. an all pro. He goes on to be a culture carrier mm-hmm. for our franchise. And uh, yeah, it, it's not lost on me, right? Like we have certain Scandinavian listeners who have told me about this dynamic of culture carriers mm-hmm. over the year. Every franchise has to have somebody who embodies what the will of the head coach mm-hmm. And they they embody I think Jordan Poyer is the guy. He is Sean McDermott on the field. Yeah. He's the guy Sean McDermott would have been if he could have been a little taller and a little more athletic and not a ginger <laughs> and out there running around playing football. Sure. And that's the love affair between these two players. Right. It's why he was here last year. Mm-hmm. 
against all conventional wisdom that said you shouldn't have brought him back. Not at that number, not at... Well, you had already signed Taylor Rapp. Like, the move to bring him back didn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, But, like, they were struggling last year at safety, and they never really did anything to try to address that. Like, they turned Cam Lewis into a safety. He gives up that that reception to Justin Jefferson because he's doing corner things when he's playing safety. Like they, they've tried to do everything with Cam. Like it, it was a, it was a mixed bag of crazy and they didn't do anything to address it besides draft Alex Austin, who they ultimately released anyway, and is now a restricted free agent with the Patriots. Are you watching uh, safeties now at the combine? I watch everything, my friend. I watch everything. But safety is a position that Buffalo has consistently drafted, albeit late. And they have since McDermott got here. Like, it's just, it's a position that they're always adding somebody to. He keeps thinking he can steal a guy. Always. I wonder if there will ever be a year where he just goes, hey, I need talent. Let me get into round two and just go pick a safety. Well, so I'm going to, I'm going to say something that I would expect Mario to say to you. Okay. It's about his hairline. It's her. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Mario, I love you. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> it's it's getting rough yeah. here tonight. Woo. Um, so Mario is going to say, when you have a player like Tre'Davious White at age twenty nine, and you've had the injury, the lower body injuries that he's had, right, an Achilles yeah. and ACL. At some point, that player stops going backwards. Yep. Right? Like, that's the skill of a corner is to be able to flip your hips and and leverage your lower body. And at some point, that player has to stop going backwards Mm -hmm. because that their body's telling them they shouldn't anymore. Right? Like, remember when Mario Williams, back with the Texans, they went from a 4-3 to a 3-4, made him a strong outside linebacker, blows his ACL. Right. Because for years, homeboy was just going forward and they said, hey, guess what? We got to add a gear to your transmission. You're going to have to cover people sometimes. Yeah. And blows his ACL. Right. There's a point where you have to just accept the fact that the player that you want isn't physically capable of doing what you want anymore. And Trey's at that point. So the thought of you let Poyer go, you have Trey. He's expensive. You're going to save about seven mil if you cut him. But is it almost worth it to say how about we just have you run forward now how about you just play safety but i don't think he can because he doesn't tackle he's never played a physical game yeah he isn't well and he's not say that to champ bailey champ bailey couldn't tackle he couldn't tackle my grandmother champ bailey was bad at tackling football uh, tackling other opposing players he was bad and so now i look at this conversation of putting trey what at safety i don't buy it I just look at Poyer mm-hmm. and I go, look, you're leaving us in a hole because you were here last year. They gave you a roster spot. Mm-hmm. And you, like, it's the benefit of sitting where we sit. We get the all 22 angle mm-hmm. all game long. Yep. I watched Micah Hyde come from the opposite hash in a playoff game to pick off Mac Jones. You mean free agent Micah Hyde? Yeah. I watched that happen. And then I watched. Jordan Poyer just seemed lost on most plays. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> not because he's not recognizing it, but because he physically cannot keep up with the speed of play. Yeah. You have no choice but to move on from this guy. Mm-hmm. And if that's not enough, the numbers back up what my eyes are telling 100%. me. 100%. Zero interceptions this season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wasn't aggressive driving on balls inside the box, even though that, that's been his hallmark. Mm-hmm. That's where he made his bones. He allowed one touchdown in coverage. 
Okay, which is good. But he also played more snaps in the box mm-hmm. than he did deep. Almost like they knew, like, hey, oh, we, gee, I wonder why. Oh, we can't, pret- <laughs> we can't put him out there. He had one of the worst coverage snaps per reception allowed on the entire roster. Mm-hmm. That's ugly. And then late in the season, when we needed him to, like, hey, this is a veteran, this is a guy, he's supposed to be able to dig deep and find that extra gear for the playoffs. He had his worst games. Mm-hmm. Week 17 until we lost against Kansas City, 10 of 12. And then more than three games, right? Like more than three games, 80 yards allowed. Mm-hmm. 10 of 12. Like every time you're targeted, you just allow a reception. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's there's, there, ugly business. There's a point where you actually had to question DeMar Hamlin died last year. Is he better than Jordan Poyer right now? DeMar Hamlin was not a bad safety. No. He was an, I would say he was an average NFL safety. I don't want to. Misses tackles. Yep. Yep. Sure. Sure. An average NFL safety, right? And there were times where Poyer was a bad matchup for you. He was out there and there was just no way it was going to turn out positively for you. So, you know, you got to take your medicine, but that's where. That's where McDermott, I think, fails as a coach because he allows his players to fail him. And he let, he sets them up in situations where it the the outcome is 40% of the time, I'm like, you're likely gonna fail me. He goes, Hey brother, I trust you. I trust you. Let's go out there and have just let's beat the odds and have a great performance. And it doesn't end like a movie. Right. It ends like reality. Mm-hmm. which is where you fall on your face. Right. And so I see all the discourse about keeping him, restructuring his contract, maybe, well, if we get him to reduce his number and we do this and that, I'd argue we, we'd we be worse off at a worse number with him out there as our starting safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Bills, I mean, to get back on Hamlin, right? Hamlin was talking about how he'd love to finish his career with the Steelers. Like, he's ready to go. He's got another year on his deal, but he's ready to go. I don't blame him. You know, he hasn't been given the shot. He was a healthy scratch the entire season because the organization's afraid to put out a guy on the field to have another traumatic incident. I will be honest with you. I don't blame them for that. But if that's really the case, you shouldn't have rostered him in the first place. No, you you used him like a like a like a like a decoration. Right. Like this morale <sighs> decoration. Yeah. It's, and you can't it's do ugly. that. Yeah. It's ugly. Yeah. And, and so it, this might be the way to smooth that over a little bit and go, listen, we're going to give the job to DeMar. Why? Because he's here. He made it through the season. He's here. Yeah. I And you're going to, and if you do draft somebody, you're not, you're likely not drafting a safety in the second round, right? Safeties typically, unless they're one of the top three guys in the draft class, they're, they're typically available in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. And then you've got the defensive line, yeah. which we've already talked about defensive tackle. We only have two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we only have two defensive tackles yep. under contract. Yep. Defensive end is pretty much at this point, it's Greg Rousseau, it's Von Miller, and it's who? Yeah. I mean, when I, I can't believe I can say this, but this team's going to miss A.J. Epinesa. And what universe do I live in where those words came out of my mouth and remember they matter? Remember Drew's world? Do you remember when I ruined your live stream? <laughs> ruined. Yeah. Ruined yeah. the hashtag sports live stream of the draft. Yeah. 
Because we drafted AJ Appenessa instead of J.K. Dobbins. Yep. Now it turns out neither matters, but it might. Well, I mean, I think one of them has one of them is still in the NFL and ascending, and one of them might be done. Yeah. So I think we have to talk about Bean's approach in theory to drafting rounds one through three, right? So when Bean goes into a draft, he's only targeting four positions, right? And they're the four positions you can't afford in free agency. And he's admitted to this, yep. right? You draft. If you don't need a quarterback, okay, that's one. Don't have to worry about that anymore, right? Check that off. He drafts defensive ends because that's a premium. And he refers them as premium positions. You can't you, afford them. You can't buy a pass rusher in no. free agency. And be and be a competitive team most of the time. Well, there there are can, exceptions. Well, you can do it if you've set your cap If you've already got. If you've already got. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, if you've already got a good team, you can add a piece, right? Yeah. But defensive ends, premium positions, corner, premium position, really hard to go out into the free agent market and get a reasonable corner. Yep. Just a reminder, Levi Wallace will be a free agent this season. Just pointing that out. If he comes back. If, it'll be, on the revenge tour. Levi I met Wallace him in on an the airport. revenge tour. I met him in an you airport. Power as, over Levi Wallace. As me and my wife were going to a cruise and we get to the Buffalo airport, I'm behind a similarly heighted yeah guy skinny yeah he's like you I know. he weighs about a buck 60 buck 70 but he's got an alabama elephant on the back of his backpack yeah, and I you're look like, at her, that's well yeah. i look at my wife and i go it's levi wallace in front of me and she goes what and i go no it's levi wallace i'm gonna say hi to him and she goes what's well, weird <laughs> And so what I did was we're going through security and he's mm-hmm. right in front of me the whole yep. way and we're going and we, we you know what up. you do you know what you so do we get hey the- you know what you do with this you go shoulder to shoulder with him and go hey let me see how long your arms are <laughs> 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 we get all of our stuff out of our buckets he's headed down the concourse next to me I'm walking he's walking and I look at him and I go hey roll tide and I gotta put my- <laughs> he bumps this he goes. Yeah, roll tide. And I go, hell yeah. And then we start talking. And my wife's like, oh, Jesus. Here, Here we, we go. go. He got him. Oh, now they're Here having a conversation. Go. I had like a five-minute conversation with Levi Wallace. It was awesome. It was cool. Mm-hmm. He's. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I asked him some questions. He gave me some answers. And I was like, I appreciate you. I appreciate you for giving me your honest opinion. Mm-hmm. 
It's, you know, I think it's, it's one of those circumstances, though, where, again, the positions that you need to address early in the draft are the positions you can't afford. Yes. Can't afford a wide receiver in the wide receiver group, right? Lo- yep. I would love to add T. Higgins. Yep. I would love to. These guys aren't even in the conversation, right? They're eliminated <clears> from the conversation. <throat> so that's where Buffalo has always kind of bargain basement hunted those wide receivers, right? Because what are we, what are we going to do? Let's just, we'll just sign a bunch of guys and then we'll figure it out. That's what they did with Cole Beasley and John Brown and everybody acted like hey, they were great. Andy Isabella is still here. So, oh my God. Can you unplug <laughs> his microphone? Andy Isabella. That's yeah, flashbacks from 2001 or 2021, 2020. In any case, corner wide receiver, defensive end premium positions, Right. The fact that Bean went out and drafted a tight end, that was weird, right? That was weird for Bean because that was not the way that usually goes, right? And when we talk about linebackers, normally you talk about like pass rushing linebackers. You're not talking about like coverage linebackers. That's why Terrell Bernard's a third round pick, third, fourth, fifth round pick. He profiles there because he doesn't rush the passer, right? Pressure is what generates those high picks. And that's what Bean targets in the in the first three mm-hmm. rounds. That's all he's interested in. Can I get a tackle? Can I get a defensive end? Can I get a corner? Can I get a wide receiver? Is there a good pass rushing linebacker is like the de facto, yeah. right? But that's all you're going to see them go after is tackle, defensive end, corner, wide receiver in the first three rounds. That's it. That's all they're interested in. And And I understand. I completely understand. So that's why when we talk about defensive tackle, dude, they're not interested. No. They're just not interested. So then they look at the pool and go, well, we can go find a, f- a fat guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. plug up lanes. Losing every roster defensive tackle from the end of, end of the season, except for Ed Oliver and Eli Anku, is rough. Mm-hmm. Like, that's rough business. Yeah. Now, maybe Puna Ford can come back on a cheap deal maybe i mean i don't think he played himself into a payday no but also maybe he thinks he needs more usage maybe he opportunity right it's It's buffalo's ripe with opportunity right now here's a team that knows you and could have you back but they're not going to pay you a ton Mm -hmm. but who else is is paying him right yeah exactly after the year he put up nobody's going to pay him tim settle you want to talk about the year you had? Tim Settle was probably one of the biggest disappointments in free agency. Forgot he was even had. on the roster. Exactly. And then you look at defensive end. Vaughn, Rousseau, Kingsley. That's it. That's what I got. Yep. Oh, oh, look. He did us a favor. Here I am oh, looking at my look notes. At that. Look at this. See, this is what I love about the studio, Paul. Yeah. I nice. get monitors to where yeah. you might... My own Vernon, my own Jamie Vernon just puts up things in front of us. Yeah, but the depth chart is is done. Shaq Lawson's gone. <clears throat> um, Leonard Floyd's probably gone. AJ Epinesa's likely gone because you're not going to be able to afford to, to nope. resign him. You know, nope. So Limble de- Joseph, he's not going to sign with anybody till November again. Yep. He's right. going to do what he did last right. year. He cherry picked the team. Mm-hmm. Tim Settle wasn't effective. Mm-mm. So I don't know. At, at defensive end, you're looking at a team where, I don't know, you're probably going to go as far as Rousseau and Von Miller can take you. I don't knock defensive end out as a end of the first round draft pick. And this is my point. Yeah. 
this is probably something that doesn't get addressed in free agency. Well, and it makes the trade of Boogie Basham last year seem silly, right? <laughs> doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, I don't think they expected AJ Epinesa to absolutely come alive because they had three years of a front row seat where he didn't. Yeah. You know, so I don't think you planned for that. But what you did by trading Boogie was you traded a guy with a controllable contract yes. for a guy to, to roster a guy who didn't have that. And this is where smart GM decisions, where we go, oh, the Brett Veaches and the Bill Belichicks of the world have done this, this, and this. Well, fuck, we may not have one of those either. Right. Shit. Yeah. We may not have a Tom Brady, we may not have a Bill Belichick, and we may not have a Brett Veach. I don't know what to tell you. Well, I real quick, Bill's history 101, right? So if we just go back to... Let's see. Let's just start in what, 2017? That's probably, eh, we'll start 20. I guess the argument is best made 2018. We'll start 2018 because that's really the first draft that matters, right? So since 2018, the Bills have drafted one, two, uh, <laughs> two. Yeah, so what are we looking three, at? Three, four. They've ultimately drafted four defensive ends. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's right. So they've drafted four defensive ends since Bean has gotten here. Okay? And one of them was Daryl Johnson. One of them was Daryl Johnson, who you traded. <laughs> Boogie Basham, who you traded. Greg Rousseau, who's obviously still here. And AJ Epinesas, who, whose contract is going to expire. So it is statistically probable you're just as likely to get drafted and traded if you play the defensive end position as you are to see your contract through. Since Bean's arrived. Right. Yeah. And at a premium position to only draft four players, that says something. Right. That says an awful lot about yeah. the fact that they feel like they can get end pressure just on the free agent market for a couple million dollars. And now this is the point I was going to make. This year, the Bills had a better sack total than they've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. Do you know that it, they didn't have a single player in the top 20 for pass rush win rate? Mm-hmm. I believe that. <laughs> because. They did it in the aggregate. Mm-hmm. Yep. So again, if you're try, if you're a champion of this idea of hey, we can do this cheap, mm-hmm. right here is Exhibit B, mm-hmm. or maybe C, of like hey, I don't have to spend a ton on the defensive line to continue getting production. Right. Now, we've talked about Epinesa versus the field and how he's probably going to get paid. Mm-hmm. At least more than what Buffalo's willing to pony up. Yeah. We've talked about the secondary situation and how we have safety depth issues. Let's talk about some free agent targets we like. For me, one of the first ones is Darnell Savage. Mm-hmm. But it comes to mind just because there's so many things that say to me he should. First of all, he's a Packer. A Packer turning bill, turning free safety that goes bananas has happened already. Mm-hmm. Like there's history there that 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 jives. Also, he's going to be a free safety or bust because he has a better than 15% missed tackle rate over his entire career. Mm-hmm. He has to play the deep half. Yeah. You don't want him in the box. Mm-hmm. He will miss tackles. He will blow some things for you if you try to make him a strong safety. Also, interceptions have dried up a little. But he started strong mm-hmm. when he had good play in front of him. Mm, that yeah. sounds familiar, huh? Good linebacker playing everything in front of him where guys are trying to fit things into tight windows. Okay. And then also elite 
RAS scores for explosion and speed. He's a physical freak. He just Bills love that. Needs a little bit of coaching. Bills love that. Needs needs some coaching. Needs a little bit of sandpaper to kind of smooth out those rough edges. Sound like a used car salesman. <laughs> what do you think collections is? <laughs> it's the inverse of collection or of you, you selling used cars. Instead of being like, hey, we could put a lot of bad boys. We could put a lot of miles on this bad boy if you just sign the contract. It's you sign the contract that you better give me those shekels. Now, what I'll say is he's got all the traits his value is going to be suppressed by the market. Do you agree or disagree he might be a, a decent fit? Uh, athletic profile. Yeah. You're willing to bet on the athletic profile. Yes. Yeah. And if you're the team, there's not a lot of teams who are going to roll heavy money mm-hmm. on a player like that. Right. Agreed. Jeremy Chin. Oh, man. Now, this is the. Oh. Now, if you want to talk about athletic profile, this is the one that gets Chin's Bill's monster. Ma- this Chin's is the one that monster. gets Bill's mafia, that gets their hackles up. Everybody had a pre draft crush on Jeremy yeah. Chin. He's such a monster. You look at it, you had to know that Brandon Bean was probably rubbing his hands going, please. Mm-hmm. He just falls far enough. Yeah. But he didn't. Right. It was early second round. He was off the board, mm-hmm. gone. His career has been rocky. Mm-hmm. So rocky, I'm surprised it didn't come with an 80s fucking montage. Like he should be training to he should be training to fight fight Drago. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how rocky his career has been. But he's playing for a football team in Carolina that has no coaching staff. Multiple coaching, multiple head coaches at this point. <clears throat> what I like is that it, that puts him, the lack of production, plus the athletic profile, puts him in that wheelhouse where you might spend a little bit more than someone might think is reasonable on Jeremy Chin. Mm. But if you could craft a four-year deal and people go, what, you're going to give him a four-year deal or a three-year deal so you can spread the hit out, get us out of this two-year window that we talked about during the last show? Right. He might be able to show you something. Yeah, I mean, the market on Chin is, here's the thing about safeties, right? Teams don't want to play, don't want to pay safeties unless your name's Buda Baker. If your name's Buda Baker, you'll make good money. If your name's not Buda Baker, then you're not going to make a lot of money. I saw multiple safeties now, this is according to Pro Football, this is Spotrack, yeah. and their market analysis, but they're pegging multiple guys over $10 million. Yeah, Right. And I mean, I understand because, you know, there's a lot of positions available. Understand the algorithm says a lot of positions available, not a lot of top level resources for those positions. But safeties aren't going to be making there's not going to be more than three guys making ten million dollars out of this free agent class per per year. Yeah, no no way. But I mean, Jeremy Chin, he's hasn't he's looked fine. Right. Like, okay. He's looked fine. But I mean, you're probably looking at uh, three mil a year. Well, here's what I love. But this is it. This is your, like, he's the best candidate for a bridge deal. Yeah. Or a prove it deal. Like, hey, can I sign you for two years? Five mil a piece. Imagine being 26 years old and being like, ah, man, I just got to, let me just sign a bridge deal somewhere. (laughs) Oh. Again, another prolific athletic profile mm-hmm. who you look at was drafted to a team like, I don't know, in the box present on a di- at a discount. And he played for a team that 
everything they've touched has gone to shit. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's weird. Carolina's former owner, Jerry Richardson, was forced to sell the team by the same NFL that couldn't offload Dan Snyder. Mm-hmm. They right. had to... Chris, you know how many times I've railed about Dan Snyder? Yeah. <clears throat> Why couldn't they get rid of Jerry Richardson sooner? Uh, probably because uh, his racism wasn't his racism as, Trump. as harsh. Wait, wait, wait. As harsh. Wait. So Jerry Richardson was racist and sexist and assaulted some in the office females. And this is abhorrent behavior. And yet you watch what Dan Snyder does and you go, wait a minute. We can't get rid of him, but we can ki- we can crush this guy. We can force him to sell his team. Then they sell it to Tepper, who's a control freak, who tells them to draft a guy over C.J. Stroud. Throws the, drinks on people. Throws drinks on people. Uh, literally can't seal the deal with either of the Carolinas mm-hmm. in building a new headquarters. Probably because he's an overambitious asshole, but doesn't want to spend any of his own money. It's... I feel bad for that franchise. I don't. <clears throat> I do. <laughs> I don't. I do, if only because I know, like, Frank Reich was their first quarterback. I know. So, and I have a funny story about that. So, back in the 90s, everybody had a television show that was a Bills player, right? Yeah. Andre Reid had a show. Thurman Thomas had a show. Frank Reich had his own show. So, Frank Reich had a deal where he would go around to local... God, there's such... There's, there's was so this long like ago. podcasting? Or was it? This was a long time ago. This sounds ridiculous. He would go to local supermarkets, oh, and no. the show was in supermarkets, and it was in Super Duper, I believe, or Jubilee, whichever it was at the time. Oh, no. So that's where his show was every now and again, right? And they would go to different spots and set up, and people would go, they'd set up chairs, and you'd be in the deli department of Super oh, Duper or no. So in any case, um, they always had an ask, an F, you know, an ask the player segment. Every show did that, right? Where fans could come down and ask questions. So, what? I mean, what was I, probably nine? I was probably nine years old. And Frank was a pending free agent. And I asked him, since Bill Polian is now the general manager of the Carolina Panthers, do you see yourself leaving Buffalo to go to Carolina in his contract year? And he very politely said, you know what? I, I appreciate the question, but, you know, I'm a Buffalo Bill right now. and We'll see where that goes. And wouldn't you know it, he ends up as. So I just want to point out that I scooped everybody in Western New York in a, in a super duper at the age of to, like nine. Because you're the only one who knows what a super duper is. Oh, it was a local supermarket chain. It doesn't matter. It's it doesn't matter. just hilarious that that franchise has been mired in mediocrity. Chris <laughs> Winky. Hey, don't you talk, Chris Winky. don't talk about Chris Winky. All right. But you know, it's a, to get back onto your point of, of players as far as a profile and yeah. love, you're you're on you're onto what they love. They love the athletic freak, yep. right? They love the guys that bury the Raz scores and blow it off the charts. Like that's what they love. They'll bet on the athlete ninety nine times out of a hundred. Well, you look at Tremaine Edmonds and Josh Allen. They were banking on mm-hmm. these guys are giant bricks of clay that we can mold into the player we want them mm-hmm. to be. Now, Jeremy Chin, 
Darnell Savage. These are guys who did not get coached well. No. Well, because you're not going to be able to afford Kyle Duggar. Let's just be honest. And so then you get to shape them. These are guys who you could get on the cheap Mm -hmm. and then bring them in and mold them into maybe another Jordan Poyer Mm -hmm. and another Micah Hyde. And they've already done this before. They've proven. Different, Different position coach. Joe Dana is now the safeties coach yep. and not exactly the most prolific history of players that have come Jalen under his coaching shortlist. Sure. Right. Shortlist. But you also have Bob Babich, who's now your defensive coordinator. Yes. And that's where he made his money was as a safeties coach yes. and then a linebackers coach. And now your defensive and, coordinator and, and a defensive coordinator who ain't got shit to do. Who doesn't have anything to he do. He doesn't have shit off. to do. Because McDermott said during the league meetings when they were talking, when they interviewed him and said, hey, is he going to be calling plays? Like, what is he going to be doing? And he goes, we'll see how that works because there's a lot to learn there. You have to learn the yeah, in-game dude. nuances. Do to do. And do, yeah. to do. do to do. Basically being like, hey, we paid him. We gave him a title. And he's going to keep doing the same thing he's been doing, which is coaching our safeties and linebackers. Pretty much. And I mean, look <laughs> at the success you've had at those positions. Why would right? you rock the boat? So I'm going to throw you a curveball. My best free agent fit is uh, Terrell Edmonds. All right. Edmonds? The reason is... Uh, one, you know how this well, coaching staff is about culture, yeah. right? Um, and he understands. He comes from the family of athletes, the same family Tremaine Edmonds did. Right, exactly. Fits the athletic profile. You need a safety. He's going to be a $4 million player. Like, he's not going to be a lot of money. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those things where he checks all the boxes that Buffalo would be interested in. And he's going to fit the culture because... He just had a brother who I'm sure is saying, I really wish I would have stayed I really in wish I would have stayed in Buffalo because right. Chicago, this is not going. No. Aside from the rolling gun battles and everything else that's going on in Chicago, <laughs> the football is not going well. The, the position I like the most and that I'm most interested in is how they fix this defensive line because they, they're going to need talent. Mm-hmm. And yet they have no money to spend. Nope, sure don't. And also they have, look at all that orange. Up there mm-hmm. on the screen. Yep. <laughs> it's it's embarrassing. Free agent, free agent, free agent, free agent, free agent. They don't yeah. have a starting defense right now. No. They don't have a starting front seven. Nope. They don't. Mm-mm. So with it in mind, I look at a couple guys. The first one is Yeter Gross Matos. Okay. I think Gross Matos is kind of A.G. Epinesa light. Mm-hmm. But they have the same career arc. Mm-hmm. If you look at the way this has gone, strong final month to close 2023, 10 tackles, two sacks, four tackles for loss, had a real good start to the last season before going on IR. His draft profile makes him sound a lot like Rousseau. And with at least one rookie addition somewhere in the draft, you could sign a guy like this for a few dollars. And have a rotation of four defensive ends with skill sets that, like, you could draft one guy who's a pure pass rusher mm-hmm. and sign a guy like Yeter Gosmatos and say, now we have a rotation where we have a an edge setter on the strong side, a pass rusher on the weak side, and we can rotate those all game long. Mm-hmm. It, w- am I being crazy here? 
Or does that not make sense? When you figure the guy's probably only going to pull in about, what, four to five mil? How is his uh, How is his coaching staff again? Oh, yeah. No, he comes from the Carolina Panthers that we just oh, got yeah. done trashing. Yeah, lovely. Lovely. He's had so many coaches in so many years. Like, there's no continuity here. Right. He could be the Alex Smith of defensive ends where you go, look, he didn't have the most defined pass rush moves coming out of college. Mm-hmm. The idea was he would grow into them. But if you don't have coaching, you just do what you did. It just doesn't matter. Come to a team with real coaches. Mm -hmm. You sign them to a three-year deal, small money first year, and then you extrapolate it out, but it's still not great. It averages out to about four or five million a year. Right. By year two or three, you're going to see those dividends pay off. Mm -hmm. And in year one, you're talking about a player who can at least give you a big body to back up Rousseau. Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably dumpster diving a little bit deeper than that, though. Like, I'll be honest with you. When, you when, think so? Yeah, because they're going to want to have, you know, you know this Bills team, right? This year was really the first year where we saw sort of a, a them hit the brakes a little bit on that defensive end position with the rotation, right? Because Vaughn wasn't in there for the most part. Um, so you saw a lot of Epineza. You saw a lot of Rousseau. Um, and, uh, you know normally they were guys that they love to run their defensive ends and defensive tackles at 40, 50, 60% snap counts. And this year was a little bit of a, there were games where that wasn't happening, right? On, on the total, right? The averages are not as high. They're higher than they were, but there were games where there were times that Rousseau didn't come, didn't felt like he didn't come off the field. Right. So I think you're probably dumpster diving for a guy like, Bud Dupree, he's 31. He's coming off a three-year deal with the Falcons, right? Like, at this point, just go I get the guy with w- the ball. I forgot he was in the NFL. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, right, is you're likely trying to get something out of these guys. Cleland Farrell, you know, like a former – I'll be honest with you guys. Don't, don't fucking laugh at me over there. I see Cleland Farrell, and he laughs at me. The former first-round pick from – that was oh, Mayock's pick. I Mayock. fourth over. That wasn't no. It was no. not Mayock's pick. It was John Gruden's pick. Gruden structurally, it was Gruden's choice. Are you really going to defend this right now? No, I'm not defending. I'm just saying. It sure, sounds like you're I'm just it. saying structurally, Gruden had say over the draft over Mayock. May I don't know why what Mayock was doing with a <laughs> GM title when you had you had no voice. Uh, he was getting came, beat up by the draft. He, he was getting beat up by Antonio Brown. <laughs> but like Farrell again, the the Bills have a very specific way to go about chasing talent. They trust athletic profile and they love draft pedigree. They they will just. Bring it, Christian Kirksey. He retired because former first round pick. They're yeah. like, hey, listen, let's try and let's try and run it back. Shane Ray. Hey, let's try and run it back. Yes, you know, Deron Lee. Hey, let's try and capture this first round talent that you had at one point. The Bills do this, and all three of those guys that I just named literally did nothing for you. But it's it's a trend. So Farrell makes a lot of sense for Buffalo. Yeah. A, a former first-round pick reclamation project. You're not going to spend anything to get him. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's what your budget says you can afford. So you start looking for guys who blew the RAS score out of the water and are former first-round picks and did dick soup last year uh, in the film room, and those are the guys Buffalo's going to target. There's one guy, Quentin Jefferson. Nah. Q Jeff. Bring I, me I some Q, Jeff. I get it. Six sacks. Yep. 
in a complimentary role for the Jets, knows the Bills, was on the roster. There's a need at D-tackle. Mm-hmm. If you needed a backup, Jordan Phillips is talking about retiring. Yep. And I'm not going to lie to you. Jordan Phillips plays a wild game. There are times where he's unstoppable and times where he is just 100% nowhere near where he needs to be. When he separated his shoulder diving for a running back 15 yards behind him, I was done with Jordan Well, I look at him and I go, you're a guy who doesn't understand what your job is. Mm -hmm. You have all the energy and the excitement. You just don't understand what you're paid to do. Right. (laughs) Don't. Yeah. Don't. You're overshooting. Mm-hmm. You tried too hard, and then you hurt us yep. and yourself in the process. Mm-hmm. So I look at Q, Jeff. Six sacks as a part of a rotation, mm-hmm. which is pretty nice. Now, the the question is, can he come back in here and meld as a part of the Bills? Or does he have a bad taste in his mouth? There have been a lot of free agents who have left the Bills who have not like they've talked about Quentin mm-hmm. Spain. Quentin Spain, Cole Beasley. Uh, who else? Uh, Feliciano, which is the only reason I was happy that 49ers lost the Super Bowl. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy until he's dead. Uh, so he sucks, and he he never deserved a starting spot in a game like that. I don't want to defend Quentin Spain, but I'm going to kind of defend Quentin Spain for just a second. Quentin Spain, as you may remember, was not signed to be a starter. He was signed because I can't believe nobody signed Quentin Spain yet. <laughs> and then he beat everybody out and got the job. He was a fucking refrigerator on wheels, right? Like, yeah. he was so big. How could you not start that man, right? But then if you take a look at the decisions made around releasing him and why they released him and who they released him for... yeah. Feels pretty silly now, you know, know? but not to quit. Quentin Spain was never in their plans. Right. When they went through the free agency period, he wasn't in their plans. And at the very end of free agency, they're like, I he is he going to make our team better? Yes. Then we have to we just have to sign him. (sighs) Signing him to the extension. That was the mistake. That's the mistake. Q Jeff, not great versus the run, but I don't need him to be. I need a pass rush specialist Mm -hmm. because realistically what you're trying to do is you're trying to rebuild the pass rush through the aggregate Mm -hmm. and you figure the rest out. Yeah. There are going to be, if, if the bills execute the draft and execute free agency properly, this team will still be able to score points, which means teams will not be running the ball down our throat because you're probably having to pass. You have to pass. Mm Mm-hmm. The reality is most teams that play us have to win via the pass. Mm -hmm. If you're not, it's because we've done something wrong. You saw that at the beginning of this season Mm. when we, the breaking point was that Denver game. Yeah. The way that went, we laughed about it at the time, and I still think it was a cop-out because you're the head coach. You own all of your underlings' mistakes. Mm -hmm. They fired their offensive coordinator because of the way that game ended. Mm Mm-hmm. But the reality is you lost a sub-20-point game to another team mm-hmm. <laughs> by a field goal at the gun. That, which barely, means... that had barely won football games the weeks before. And so what that tells me is that you guys can't, like, you can't stop the run. 
but also they're not running the ball. They're throwing the ball. And all of their success was throwing the ball mm-hmm. because they knew who you were. They knew your DNA. And when it came down to clutch moments, they threw the ball when it mattered. Mm-hmm. And so did you. You tried to, but it didn't work. Mm-hmm. That's how you lost. I think at the end of the day, you have to spend more on the secondary you're going to have to spend a little bit on the defensive line because there's going to be some veteran backups. There's mm-hmm. going to be some guys who come in here. But D-tackles are like, it's like a game of musical chairs. Mm-hmm. There's 80 guys who have NFL experience and are just looking for a place to go make a paycheck. Yep. There's only 20 teams that are hiring. So I'm going to I'm gonna give you a challenge because I know you're a stack guy and I, yeah. think, I, I don't think you've had enough to drink to forget that I'm going to challenge you with this. It's all right. I may be wrong about that. You might be. So uh, I want you to go back into history and look at Sean McDermott as a head coach and his record against coaches who have made a Super Bowl appearance. And I think you will find a very disturbing trend. I do. It's What I do know is that Sean McDermott does not do well against coaches who have done well. Well, that, I mean, you bring up the Broncos game and the Sean Payton, right? Yeah. And then you look at the yep. Chiefs. Like, it's not hard to do the math here, right? Like He, he does not do... Right. His coaching does not do well against great head coaches. So what you have to have is better talent. And unfortunately, we don't have the money for well, great talent. That, this year definitely poses a problem for that, doesn't exactly, it? Exactly, which but, is why, as we talked about in the last show, mm-hmm. I'd love to see him burn it and just, let's start. Let's start fresh. I, I think the difference between a coach like Andy Reid, who's been doing it for 30 years, right, versus Sean McDermott is Andy Reid's so long in the tooth, he doesn't necessarily require the perspective of his coordinators. Yep. He knows how to spend his time effectively. Uh, McDermott has never leveraged his coordinators, and I think that's a, I think that's a, a fatal flaw. Well, you right? look at his coordinators right now; they're they're all kids. They're all kids. kids. Yeah, and yep. and they always have been. He had one tenured offensive coordinator. One. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess two. Dable and I Dable. can't count. He fucking he was that. He was the offensive coordinator for the Browns. He was not tenured just because he Browns, did the job well, before. And the Chiefs. And the Chiefs. He's cool. the only guy to ever get Brady Quinn twice in one career. Yeah. Like, that's 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 a great point. That that's a great point. But <laughs> but again, like Leslie Frazier was the sole voice of reason, and then yeah. you know you walked away from that because you couldn't handle constructive criticism. Most likely, I, that's that's speculation. Likely couldn't ha- handle constructive criticism, but you know, at, I think I think if you go back and you look at that, the talk of Sean McDermott being a top five coach in the NFL, I think, quickly disintegrates when you look at his record against coaches who have made Super Bowl appearances. The guys who matter are decisive, they're resolute, they know what they want, they have a design. I'm hoping we can get to that place, right? Yep. And I'm hoping that this off season shows us they have a plan. Yeah. So regardless totally of where they choose to spend their money, I'm hoping that what we see is a plan. Yep. That they go, hey, we're not just going to windmill and just pick up scrap players at the end of the year and insert them as starters because, oh, my God, he's suddenly better than our starter and we mm-hmm. panic. We have a plan. Yep. We've thought about this. We've had conversations about how to approach the defense, specifically the defense, because our head coach oversees it. Mm-hmm. 
He has so many hands in that pot. I need to know that this is going to go off without a hitch. Right. Because if we go into another year where things don't get orchestrated properly, like this is a thing where we were already calling for his head when he lost to the Broncos. Yeah. We were already calling for his head when he lost to the the Bengals. Mm-hmm. We were making the point that he's John Fox. He's the guy who can get you so far, but he will fail in high-pressure moments. And he does it again, and everyone puts their hands up and goes, well, we'll have next year. What is next year going to look like? Is it yeah, next year's, next year's tough, right? I will say that you know Kansas City exploited a, a very, 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 very disintegrated defense. With that being said, Kansas City had five third down attempts that whole game. Bang. You never got them to third down. No. So How can you win that football game? The fact that it was even close. You didn't play Kyrie Elam, but you put a gimpy Rasul Douglas out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is a coach making decisions that don't make sense. Well, and Kyrie... You have to hope your talent can overcome your coaching. Yeah. Final point on Kyrie Elam for me. Um, Kyrie Elam, drafted out of the SEC. Cornerbacks coach. Former cornerbacks coach for... Florida. I think that's almost. (laughs) Almost. Well, Kair Elam went to Florida, right? Former former cornerbacks coach for the Hurricanes. Mm -hmm. So, and had been there, right? So if you're going to get a guy that believes in Kair Elam, it's the guy that's just coming out of college. This is his first professional gig, right? He spent his, his career in college coaching SEC corners, right? Like coaching guys at that talent level. Kair Elam, if this organization, they be, they need him to hit, they brought in a cornerback's coach that can talk his language. And if that doesn't tell you something, I don't know what does. And that's it. Can we empower him? Because honestly, we talk about how cash-strapped the Bills are. Yep. Talent talent through through the roof. Kair Elam, Elam has talent through the roof. But can has, you harness it? Precisely. Can you make it work for you? Right. Now, that... Hamlin, you look at all the changes in the safety coaching, all this stuff. They know they need something different. Yeah. Will it work? Because I think that more so than any of the money they spend in free agency, Mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry I brought you on the defensive show for free agency, but ultimately the coaching is going to matter more Mm -hmm. than anything they can spend. (laughs) They need to be able to coach up the players they have. And then also rely on a bunch of cheap players who just have a freak upside athletically that haven't had anything for a career. Yeah, you just need to pray that you don't get decimated by injuries like the last two seasons. And you that's and you're going to. You yeah. will. Yeah. That's it's football. almost a guarantee. That's yeah. football. <laughs> right. It's a yeah. game of it's a game what do they call it? It's, it's a, a game of attrition. Yeah. Yeah. So the attrition Season long, like this is why you do this though, because the signing that you make at the end of the season, where you go, oh, I'm gonna make that guy, I'll I'll sign a safety for a million dollars, I'll bring it. Like I said, when we signed Micah Hyde and Jordan Boyer to mediocre contracts, yeah, we had no idea what they what they would become. Nope, but yeah. we had good coaching. You you signed Poyer and Hyde the same way that you signed Sherfield and Hardy. You sign guys who you thought you could make into something. The difference is you 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 hit, 
there. And you got franchise pieces. Yeah. But Poirier and Hire have been franchise pieces. Buffalo has has really struggled to do that, right? Like, if you look at that free agent market, are we going to call uh, – who was the tackle a couple seasons ago that they signed from Carolina? Uh, Daryl – what was the what was his what was his name? I uh, played right tackle for Buffalo. Uh, he was Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams, yeah, Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer are probably the reclamation project success stories, and I don't know if you have any more than that. Well, they have to build on that if we're going to go anywhere this year. I know. But also eat that dead money. Take this year. <laughs> Make the coaching staff prove. That they're worth their titles. Let's have it. I'm I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the opportunity for adversity. You should be. If you're like, I'm sorry. I I just what I do professionally and what <laughs> just the way I'm wired. I want that. I show me something that's hard, and I'll show you how I overcome it. So I need our coaching staff to have that mindset this year or else they're not worth a shit. I'm I'm going to bring one point to a close on this topic, right? Well, we're going to round out the show here. So what's Perfect. your final point? So everybody's really excited about the Bills having 10 draft picks. Something that's a dynamic that I don't know if a lot of people are recognizing is the Bills being an organization that's turned out a lot of success recently get poached very quickly when it comes to players. So unless these players are going to make your 53-man roster, you have no business drafting them. Don't even bother, right? Because Alex Austin, seventh-round pick, he's now a restricted free agent with the uh, with the Patriots, I believe. Uh, you Picked look, off Josh Allen, actually. Yep, that's right. Luke Tenuta, not on the team. Uh, Tommy, Marquez Stevenson, gone. DeMar Hamlin is likely going to be gone or he's going to be starting for you. God, what a paradox. Rashad Wild Goose, gone. Jack Anderson, gone. Isaiah Hodges, gone. Like, you can't draft guys that you're not going to roster because they don't slip by anymore. This isn't 1998. This isn't 2006 where you can draft guys and then develop them. That doesn't work. You draft the guys that you're going to play because you don't you can't hide players anymore. People know Buffalo and they know that you have a pretty good eye for talent. And if you're not going to take them, they will. So this whole having 10 draft picks thing, dude, get me six, give me six draft picks. Don't, don't draft 10 guys that I get to watch, go on to the waiver wire and get picked up by, by Carolina and get picked up by Arizona and get picked up by these. And they do fuck all of them, but it doesn't matter because they stole a player off your roster. You lost a, uh, a resource. Yeah. So that's what I mean. You know, like final point on that Buffalo, you got 10 draft picks. They better all play for you. (laughs) Otherwise don't draft them. Don't, don't waste, don't waste the resource. Final question, would you be shocked if it's a defensive heavy draft? That's Sean McDermott, man. I knew I'd be shocked by that. <laughs> Come on now, Drew. Chris, I feel like we've talked this thing to death. Yeah, we're almost at two uh, hour and a half. There we hour go. and a half? <laughs> Good yeah. Lord, Woo! we got to get out of here. Guys, I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. That's what's-his-face. Thanks, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I was going to say, Paul said something so funny. When Chris goes, hey, there's cans under the table. If you want to put some headphones on, he goes, I got to hide these ears somehow. (laughs) It was one of the funniest things. Guys, this has been great, but we got to get out of here.
This has been your Rock Power Report.